my guest on the pod is the former broadcaster for West Virginia women's basketball, game day host for West Virginia football, worked in Nebraska, and now is the current radio voice of the Bisons. My guest on this week's edition of the Blind Broadcaster Podcast is Jeff Colane. If you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora Music, and your favorite podcast directory and platforms. Ratings and reviews help people find this podcast much easier. If you have suggestions of people who you'd like to hear on the pod, please feel free on Twitter at King underscore TSB, Facebook or email at luther.king.tsb at gmail.com. So without further ado, here's my conversation with the voice of the bison, Jeff Colhane, here on the Blind Broadcaster Podcast. Very honored to have the voice of the bison of North Dakota State, former broadcaster at West Virginia, game day host with, of course, Tony Caridi. I'm getting all that as I'm speaking with Jeff Colhane as my guest. First, thanks for the time. And two, when did you know broadcasting was something you wanted to pursue or did somebody push you towards it? Hey, Luther, it's great talking to you. And I, I really appreciate you reaching out and, and wanting yeah. me to be on with you here uh, today. Um, but yeah, we're, you know, to, to answer your first question, you know, I, I grew up playing a lot of sports and, you know, I played sports in high school and played in college. And uh, obviously it was very evident uh, that I did not have the talent skill set to be a professional athlete at any any point during my uh, career. So sports have always been a big part uh, of, of my life. And, you know, early on, I, I just kind of gravitated towards broadcasting. Uh, my family's been a part of it. You know, my dad growing up was a public address announcer at all the games. So I always heard his voice on the loudspeakers. Um, you know, I, I had an, an uncle that was in TV and radio as well growing up. And so I just, I always listened to the announcers and what they had to say as much as I watched the games. So from an early age, it was something that was enticing to me, just being around it and playing it and loving it and having family around it as well. And then once I got into, you know, my, my first radio job, I worked a part-time radio job when I was 14 years old. Oh, a radio station here uh, in my hometown of Mitchell, South Dakota, and uh, had a blast, enjoyed it, started to learn the ropes. And then in college was asked to to do some sports broadcasting. And I really took that to heart, took it seriously and decided, you know, as a as a sophomore or junior in college, that this was something I wanted to make a career out of. And I've been lucky to meet some great people on the way. And, and I've had uh, great luck, obviously, in timing of certain uh, positions and jobs. And so it's just been something that's kind of been in my blood my entire life. I love the fact that you said you actually would rather hear the, you know, voice of the broadcaster, the descriptive call, how they paint, 
a picture because that's what I'd rather hear as well instead of listening to the basketball. I mean, I have to listen to the basketball, but the guys that without going over the top that could paint a picture, be smooth with it, and not suck. And not, you know, lose somebody within a broadcast or trying to throw some stuff out that doesn't need to be. Yeah, you know, I, I think for me, um, it was the attention to detail, how certain phrases were, were used. Um, I listened to a lot of radio growing up. You know, the radio was always on in my house. We didn't have the TV on at home in the mornings getting ready for school. My dad would turn the radio on and we'd always listen to the morning shows. And mm-hmm. none of our high school games or college games, we didn't have Division One athletics when I was growing up locally. So we listened to the games on the radio all the time. We were constantly listening to high school football and basketball and college basketball and football on the radio, whether it was at home, in the car. You know, I remember some of my favorite moments growing up were, you know, I, I would go to the games as a kid and my dad would either be, you know, doing the radio for the local radio station or he'd be doing the PA. And after the game, we'd get in the car and we'd go get something to eat, go through a drive through on the way home and be listening to the postgame shows on the radio as well. And so it just it just was always there and and kind of part of, you know, ingrained in who I was growing up without me necessarily realizing it. So, you know, we watched a ton of sports on TV, you know, uh, the NFL, college football, everything everyone else does. And um, you have certainly your favorite guys. Right. But for me, I think as far as my DNA as a broadcaster, it all started with my dad turning on the radio uh, when I was a kid growing up and, and just being able to listen as much as we did. And without, you know, again, without really realizing it, it just became part of who I was and an influence on me growing up. It feels like radio with all this social media and, internet i mean there's a lot of good with it because you get a chance to listen to all kinds of broadcasts from all over the world don't get me wrong but it feels like nowadays doing an actual radio broadcast is becoming kind of extinct like the way of the dinosaur and it's kind of different yeah it's different right i mean um there are our, our world today in sports media is changing. Clickbait, sound bites. Yep. Yeah, you know, and I think we all need to, I know I need to do a better job as well of adapting with the times. And, um, you know, we are doing something now, Luther, with our radio broadcast where we have set up a, a behind the mic camera that focuses, has a camera on us calling the games. I told uh, my friends at Learfield IMG College that I don't know if that's going to make them any, it might lose them money uh, putting a camera on my face, calling games, but. Well, wait, gonna... you guys are through Learfield IMG College? Yes. Yes. So, okay. Answer me this. Are fans still allowed to go on the station feed to still listen to the broadcast or now do fans have to go through the actual university and maybe a sidearm sports or something like that just out of curiosity yeah no as of right yeah as of right now in this first year we're still able we still have our our local radio station apps um you know our 
Um, our, our stations also have been in, included in the TuneIn app as well. And so that's been another way where fan, listeners and fans can find the broadcast and the audio. So, um, yeah, we're, we're a new property. We're a new school oh, wow. under, the, under the Learfield IMG, IMG College umbrella. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's basically, a, it's like old homecoming. So now you're the lead guy instead of being with, of course, we both listen to Tony Garidi. Who doesn't? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And then Greg Sharp for me back at Nebraska when I oh, was Oh, yeah. There. I forgot about yeah. him. Yeah, for six years. And um, I, so I can't remember if Sharp still doing the games or if it's Pavelka full time. I think it's Sharp. I don't yes. know. Yes. So, yeah, Greg is is the is the play by play voice for football and baseball. And Kent is men's basketball at Nebraska. I, I can never tell those two apart because they almost sound exactly the same guy, which is well, weird to me. Two, two guys that have done a lot of big games in their careers, and they, they both capture the big moment really, really well. They've, they're friends of mine, and uh, I've enjoyed listening to both of them. They've influenced me probably more than they both know. And I, think, and I think Greg Sharp worked with the original play-by-play voice of Nebraska, who's no longer with us. Uh, I think he worked with him as his color analyst and his sideline guy for a pretty good while. Yeah, that have been that would have that would have been would have been Kent uh, Pavelka. Yeah, it was Pavelka. It yeah. was yeah. With with Lyle Bremser is who you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Of. And you yes. can find a lot of that stuff on YouTube. Like that stuff. You certainly can. You're right. And so, yeah, going back to your original thought, Luther. I mean, you know, we we have, you know, I I love radio. It's my favorite. I enjoy doing TV when I've been asked and have given that opportunity. So I I really appreciate those chances. And but yeah, we just we we've got to adapt with the times and. Um, it, uh, it, it certainly, there are a lot of new forms of media with podcasting and, mm-hmm. and, and webcasts and all of that stuff. And so, um, you just kind of go with the flow and learn and continue to get better and evolve like, as we all try to do. But if you had your druthers for me, if they asked me to do TV, if I had to, I guess I could, but there's just something about doing a radio broadcast that I still like. Oh, I, I hear you. I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, you know, the, the, the radio broadcast is more slanted towards the play-by-play guy, right? You have mm-hmm. to paint the picture. It's more challenging. It's more, uh, I think there's more fulfillment there to a certain degree. Um, and I, I've not done a lot of TV. I've done some. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy TV just because it's a, it's a different medium. And um, I appreciate connecting with people that way as well. And so, um there's there's different nuances to both of them that bring you know a different level of excitement i think and satisfaction behind the scenes and uh, it's been fun to try and learn and evolve and get better in both forms throughout the years thank you for bringing up my next question because i was going to ask you like because i've talked to a couple of pxp guys who were in radio that they rotated over to tv for you when you've gotten a chance to do it what are the toughest things like you have you have to balance when you've done radio for so long to get yourself in TV mode instead of trying to go full out and out radio psychopathy with just telling everything that goes on? Yeah, I think that's just it, Luther. That's the hardest part for me is um, one being able to allow 
the, the, the game to breathe, you know, radio, there's, there's very little dead air. You lay out at the right times when there's a big play and you let the crowd, you know, is sort of, uh, tell the story, uh, at times mm-hmm. TV, you are filling in the gaps. You are filling in the captions because everyone can see what is happening. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it's the challenge is, and again, I'm not a guy that's done a ton of TV, but when I have, you know, the challenge is, is hitting the, the right spots with the right words at the right time. And quite honestly, it's, it's using, you know, I think to a certain degree you have less is more where you, you can, you, can you capture a moment with just a handful of words instead of a complete description piece i know i go back to pat summerall and john madden back love in the day. those guys yeah i mean summerall on a big play would say three words that would be it and he would capture the moment and it would stick with you first down and that's it and he'd shut up that's it and right. let madden do his thing because he's the star yeah and, and i think as well there's something to hey, it's it's different when you're standing in front and staring into a camera um, early on and, and talking and communicating and broadcasting. And then, you know, the behind the scenes stuff of having a producer in your ear talking to you, you know, letting you know what's going on. Yeah. There's, there's definitely some challenges and some things there you got to get used to. Still getting used to that EIB thing in your ear hole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the IFB. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, the IFB. Right. yeah, exactly. Sorry. I, 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 I... <laughs> That was that was like the stupidest reference ever for the Russian <laughs> Bond Network. The I hear, I got you though. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> okay, now let's rotate back over here to who did you reach out to that said, "Hey, we like your stuff, but you need to do this without being rude about it," because. When you ask somebody for a critique, especially in this business, you like a lot of the guys. You respect the heck out of them. But the toughest thing is when you, you know, asking them, hey, can you listen to my work, so on and so forth, and you get the critique back, and you're like, okay, I can improve on this. I know I have to improve on that. I thought I was doing well here. And I guess the biggest thing mentally is how do you get over the mental aspect of this thing because this thing sometimes can be more of a mental thing than it is a what you know deal yeah i think luther for me it's you just have to have thick skin you know you're not going to please everybody um there are there are people that aren't going to like your stuff in comparing you to others that have done it you know that's just personal preference and that's part of what you signed up for. You're, you're to a certain degree, a little bit of a public figure and, and everybody can have an opinion, an opinion on you because it's the path that you have chose. So I think that's the first thing for me is, you know, you're going to see things from people online about you not being as good as maybe you think you are, or not as good as someone else out there or them liking someone better. But you know, as far as the critique aspect of it goes, I think we all, you know, we mentioned Tony Caridi on here. You know, one of the and things we'll that get Tony, to that in a minute. Yeah, you know, one of the things that Tony um, was always always saying that I always picked up and and kept with me from him was, you know, there's we're, we're never no matter who we are, we never 
fully hit the perfect broadcast. We're always mm-hmm. striving for that. And I think that's one of the big frustrations with all of us is you feel like you did really well and you walk mm-hmm. away, you put the headset down and you feel great. And then afterwards you go back and listen and you realize that uh, you, you know, you, you missed a, um, you, missed, you missed a cl- you missed a clutch pass inside instead of a basket. Yeah, you missed a little you line missed. here you should have hit or mispronounced a name or, you know, you misidentified somebody where you shouldn't have. And, mm-hmm. and so there's just always, there's always an item you can get better at. But so, there's always constant movement though. So you're sometimes it's not your fault, but even though you know, you should have hit it. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And I think that kind of goes in along with the, uh, you know, that, that thought, that idea. So you just prepare as well as you can. I think that's a big item too, is preparation. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think there are times where you can over-prepare, but to each individual person, you've got to do what works for you the best. And I think you, I think everyone inside knows if they prepared enough and two, if they actually had a quality broadcast or as good as they could have done. I think everybody can self-critique themselves and be honest with themselves. Sometimes we don't because we, we don't want to, but uh, I think everybody. Or you, has or you that just got done hearing it. your voice in your own ears and head for about three hours, trying to you know wind down from a game broadcast, and you're like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. how did I you know miss that? Even though I was in tune, I knew what I wanted to hit, and somehow I missed it. Because but you know you're inside your own head, and you know you're hearing your own voice, especially when you have earphones on with a mic, and if you have a spotter with you, you're especially for me, you're listening, you know, to them to give you information so you can paint the picture of the folks you listening. Yeah, no question. And Luther, like you said, I mean, the, the challenges that you face, um, I, I can't even imagine. So kudos to you for continuing to want to improve and choosing <laughs> this path and, and, and doing what you're doing, because that's really impressive. My goal is, well, you know what my goal is, because I told you to email and told you in Facebook, so on, so on, so you know it. Yes, exactly. I do. So how did, so were you working at Nebraska before the West Virginia job came open or was Nebraska your first college level job and you were working with Greg Sharp and then West Virginia came open and you did, you know, what you did with the, you know, team yeah. previews of the opposing squad and Sure. Yeah. So Everything I've, else. I've, yeah. I've had a little bit of a, a unique path. You know, I didn't go to broadcasting school growing up. I just was always around it. Like we talked about before and loved it and had experience <laughs> behind a microphone. And, and so that helped me out. I think when I got out of college and uh, I went and worked for, uh, you know, I was talking about my uncle previously, I went and worked for him and we would, you know, we had a sports an ESPN radio affiliate, a sports talk station in South Dakota. And, We'd call games for the University of South Dakota and all sorts of high school sports. Was, it, was that the was that at the time the Jackrabbits or the Fighting Hawks? Well, that was the Coyotes actually. That oh, was the Coyotes! The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the University of South Dakota. Yep. And so, was there for about three years, and then you know someone that also has been very influential on me and is a good friend. His name is Lane Grindle. He's a radio play-by-play voice of the Milwaukee Brewers right now. Used to be at Nebraska. I think he did one of his basketball for a he was, he was at Nebraska doing sidelines and baseball oh, and yeah. hosting, hosting sports nightly. And so we teamed back up and worked together for about six and a half years. And then 
Um, an opportunity presented itself at West Virginia. I wanted to do more play-by-play. I love Nebraska. I wasn't looking to leave Nebraska, but I knew what my goals were. And those goals were going to be better um, matched up or more, I guess, quickly. More uh, lined up with what you wanted. Yep, more lined up with what I was thinking by going to Morgantown and leaving Lincoln, which was a hard thing to do. I still have great friends in Lincoln and love the town and uh, was not looking to leave, like I said. So got out there, was there for three years and um, and then uh, in, at, uh, at NDSU in the fall of 2016 was my first year in Fargo. So now you did get a break. And I mean, it was a big break at West Virginia when a lady who's now your beloved, who is now your beloved bride, by the way, <laughs> who did the Mountaineer player spotlights. So in a roundabout way, you kind of got the best of both worlds. Well, I, I will. I will correct you there. Uh, oh, my wife. It. My wife. Yes, I did meet my wife in War- Morgantown, but she was not a member oh. of the media. She is. Uh, she's okay. doing. A, has a job much more important than ours, Luther. She's a nurse on the front lines right now. And well, I'm, I'm and, hoping. She, I'm hoping she's staying safe because. Yes, man. She yes, she is. She's got the vaccine, and so um, that was obviously a lot of a lot of folks are just dropping with this thing. Even the folks in the medical field. Yeah, yeah. After know, taking the vaccines, scary. oh boy, yeah. it's been scary. So, um, go ahead. It's. I don't think in my thirty-five years of living, I don't. I don't think I've ever seen anything or felt anything like this. No, I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to hit into a heavy subject, but yeah, no, I I would agree. It's been a tough time. It's been a very tough year. Um, you know, I've I've had people that I've known who have passed away. Mm. from coronavirus and um it's been it's been hard on everyone and you know you know my wife goes to work every day and there's you know there's there's some form of of dealing with this that she has to and her her colleagues have to work around every single day so i I, when we get through this i i hope we never have to talk about it ever again how tough is it when you're doing a basketball game knowing that you have a young son at home plus your lovely bride dealing with this and you're hoping and praying that, you know, either you or your son or anybody in your family doesn't get it. Yeah. The nice thing is Luther is my wife is, is a strong woman and Mm -hmm. she is, you know, she has been great. She's the rock of our family and um, she has done an amazing job of holding down the fort at home and Mm -hmm. takes care of our son and, um, you know, that's been, that's been an adjustment for me as a broadcaster being I've a thought about it many times is yeah, being away from him and her and, <clears throat> and, um, you know, thinking down the road of, uh, wanting to be around as much as possible. And some of the events that you're, you know, it's going to, it's going to happen that you're going to miss out on. And so I think the big thing is that, you know, that I've thought of is the communication at home. And this is, this is my you know, this is my mode of work and just kind of, this is kind of part of the deal. It puts stress on every family. I know being out of the house and away from home, but uh, continuing to communicate and, and, and being around as much as possible is going to be the key for sure. Thank you for correcting me on that. Cause I, cause I had thought, you know, that here we'll be on the network at some point. Cause I, I'm like, okay, interesting, mm-hmm. but thanks for like correcting me on that. No problem. Because, I mean, I'm like, like a, a quote that I saw yesterday is like, you know, 
if I'm wrong, educate me and correct me. Don't belittle me. And I'm glad I'm glad you corrected me when I like, hey, you're wrong on that. Yeah, like, I call them, I call them little nudges. We all need a little nudge every once in a while, and, and I need mine. I make my more than my fair share of mistakes, and that's what we call here at a, at the radio station. And let me nudge you a little bit. Here's what I'm hearing. Here's what I'm thinking. So, how old is your son, man? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, he's going to be 19 months in about a week. So oh he's cow. he's mobile, agile, and hostile, and flying <laughs> around. And the the house is no longer ours. It's his. He runs it, man. He's got toys everywhere, and that's the name of the game. Oh, just wait till the terrible twos hit. <laughs> That's from what I've heard. No doubt. <laughs> but anyway, let's try to get this back on track with your path because, you know, I remember listening to you because I didn't listen to you at Nebraska. But the first time I remember catching you was when you were at West Virginia. But, however, Nebraska had a probably a big impact, even though you didn't want to leave there. But you're like, if I have to you know, get to where I want to get to, I've got to get some gone and go somewhere else. Yeah, I think the influence with Nebraska was, one, it was a great place to work with great people. I, I had a great boss, David Witte, uh, an amazing boss. And, you know, <laughs> I think there's a there's a level you we all attain to get to, right, with our dreams and our goals. And I got a, a little, you know, a taste of that in Lincoln because, um, I got to be around all of these great broadcasters and was able to learn from them, but also understand the technical Hang on a second. Bit, uh, Hold on a under- minute. Hang on a second. snowing <laughs> and it was snowing down on my other it was now it's i just got a weather update from outside um it's actually snowing here <laughs> crazy holy cow <laughs> no kidding for january man that's not <laughs> anyway back to your story sorry about that no, you're, you're all you're all good. I, just uh, going back to what we were talking about, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think my time in Lincoln prepared me and educated me on, you know, what it took to to continue to continue to raise my level as a broadcaster, and you know what what you know big time college athletics radio broadcasts were all about. And I think I took some of my experiences with me and incorporated some of that into my time at West Virginia and continued to learn more as well while I was in Morgantown for three years. But I want to know something because I've heard a few of the, you know, broadcasters that have moved on from Nebraska because it seems like it is one of the 
radio network broadcasting factories with folks, you know, working there, going different places, or being a part of the Nebraska Cornhusker family and working in that type of, you know, radio broadcast. How tough is it to deal with that type of a fan base who especially go nuts when it comes to football, which is the biggest cash cow at Nebraska with basically, you know, if football's going well, it seems like everything else is going to go well. If football's not going well, it feels like every other sport is basically an afterthought. But even with football going as well as it is, getting 100000 plus every week at, um, at a Husker Stadium in Nebraska, which is probably one of the best venues that everybody says in college football, and if that's the case, what is it like on a game day with what you had to do in Lincoln? Yeah. And how big was it that it prepared you to deal with a West Virginia and what your role is now with North yeah. Dakota State? Yeah, I think, Luther, the way I would describe it is, is I wouldn't have had it any other way. Uh, you know, really? and, and I and I – I would prefer that to the opposite, which is essentially apathy, right? Yeah, there were definitely um, challenging shows and challenging days, but people care, and and that's what you're looking for. You want to be at a place where there's passion and there's history and to be a part of stories being told and to, and to be a part of those storytellers and tellings as well, and yeah, there were there were some tough nights with some call-in shows where you're in there late at night and the game didn't go very well and fans are you're more like a psychologist than you are a broadcaster. But <laughs> I, I loved it to be able to go to a game and know it was going to be sold out regardless of opponent, and that's for football, volleyball, basketball, um, basketball, baseball as well. There aren't many places like that, and. Uh, it was it was a tremendous time. It was an amazing experience. I still have, you know, a lot of people on social media I interact with that are big Nebraska fans that that stay in touch, and the same out of West Virginia uh, as well. So, uh, wouldn't have it any other way, and I, I'd prefer that side of it to to the opposite, where there wasn't a, a whole lot of interaction uh, and or uh, excitement around the teams or the school. So. Uh, I, I think that's the way I kind of feel about it when you when you bring that up. So when did you start? Because I remember listening to at least when you tweeted out a SoundCloud, I believe it was a conference tournament championship game, I think. And it was like the scene setter of like basketball. Who was the big influencer on getting you to put together like scene setters was it Caridi since he he does that quite often with football and basketball yeah I mean his scene setters are are they're phenomenal time. yeah they're big time along and, with Matt um, LePay there's only there's, there's only a small yeah. few broadcasters that actually do that and I don't yeah. and I wish more of them would do that I don't sure. know why that is yeah no I I just yeah I think you just take a little bit of of you know who you are comes from everybody you've been around you know, and, and who you've listened to. And um, I, I took certainly with my, with my NDSU football and basketball scene setters, I've got a little of Tony Caridi in there. 
um, where, you know, from Weir to Wellage, from Martinsburg to Maitland, and all points, points in between, you're listening to West Virginia University, University football, football, you know, basketball. And, and so I did, took a little bit of that as well with mine uh, here at NDSU, and it's been fun, and I, it's been fun to, you know, to talk to people and, and hear them kind of throw it back at you, and, you know, that's another example of people caring and, and, and being a part of the, a part of the programs. Right. So, um, you just, you just kind of, you take a little bit of, of yourself and of, of others and incorporate that into you and who you are. And from a scene center perspective, yeah, that, that's <coughs> where a lot of that comes from. Now, did you add music to you since you're now back a part of the Liverpool IMG college family, or do you try to just do it like, live with no music behind like a no music bed behind it because i know in west virginia they will have a music bed behind theirs yeah we do our i do mine live and we do it coming out of the open so i like to run a music bed underneath of it and i think it makes it flow better and um that's i think that's the the thought process there is come out do it live some guys tape it just because but i like to come out and be live and um it kind of gets me it's the juices flowing for the the rest of the, the broadcast. I think Caridi does it. I think Caridi does his live too. I think. Yeah, from, yeah I think he does. Sight. You're right. <clears throat> Which is pretty good because I'm like, wow, he with the sounds and everything else. I mean, you can actually hear everything plus the music bed and behind it. And I'm like, that is some awesome stuff because you don't you don't get that flow much anymore with a lot of broadcasts because they have so many sponsors and everything else it just feels like it just takes away from that. Yeah. You know, I think every broadcast is different and um, you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of find the the right, you know, the right rhythm and the right place to incorporate all that stuff together. But I think most guys do, do find that, that are, that are looking to start the broadcast off in the right manner. And there's a lot of examples of that. <clears throat> I mean, the, even, even the Patriots with uh, the late Gil Santos and now currently another broadcast friend of mine who I've known for over, over right at a decade, I think. Um, Bob Sosi, he does the opens and they even have highlights. Sure. Yeah, there's, I, a, there's a, a right way or a wrong way to do it. Yeah, I think highlights help and the, the actualities and sound bites as well with players and coaches uh, make, uh, make everything uh, a lot of uh, – uh, make everything unique in your own way and make it a lot of fun as well. But can you do too much and can you get into a, you know, wormhole with things like that? Can you, like, oversaturate your open to the point of where it's like, uh-oh, how do I get out of this mess? Yeah, I think there's a script to it. I mean, I think all those all those different groups and, and broadcasts have, you know, the <clears throat> – their feel on how they want to do things. And some guys just go with the straight open. Other guys do a more of a pre-produced piece. I know I've heard uh, Toby Rowland at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. He loves to write. And he did for the, for the first broadcast of the year, this last fall, he did a, almost a, a poem, if you will, of super yeah. greats. And there's a lot of fun ways to do it. Uh, yeah. I, I think, there, there's a, an amount of time you, you have and you don't want to go too long. You don't want to, as you call it, go down a wormhole and try and, you know, have too many, too many things in there. But <clears throat> it's away from the message of, of starting the broadcast. How much, when speaking of preparation, game prep, so on and so forth, 
same question. Can we can you go too far down a wormhole? And how much of that are you using, even though you know you might face that team again? And how do you know where to fit what you got the first time into maybe the second time? Or you may see them a third time, or you may see them if you somehow get to the NCAA tournament, if the teams that you're facing, you've already faced more than once, but you may not even use the notes that you got the first time. Yeah, I think one, I think the answer is yes. You can over-prepare for a game if you have, you know, you 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 essentially can have too much stuff. I guess how I would, how I would answer it again is um, some guys would say there's never enough preparation. I, I like to think that as long as your preparation, you're not, you're not married to trying to get every single stat and nugget into the broadcast because you're just not going to. Exactly. It's going to take you, take you in the direction it, it goes. And that's where your broadcast should go. And um, it's up to you to find where those nuggets and your preparation fit in the flow of a game. So I, sometimes I it doesn't. And some, and you're right. And sometimes you're not, it does not. And, and you're going to have to leave stuff out. That's also another hard thing to, to get a feel for as a broadcaster is, you know, you're going to prep and you should prep as much as possible to what your liking is uh, on, on game day and leading up to game day. Uh, but there's a strong chance you're not going to get even 30% of your prep work in to the broadcast because of how the game is played. So you just got to keep, you know, you just, you just got to keep um, uh, evolving and going with the flow and the punches. And I think as, as you asked the question about playing a team multiple times, yeah, um, you, you have different storylines within each game from the game before and the games that the teams have played since the first or second meeting. Right. So sure. there's more and more storylines added into it and, it's your job to sort of, you know, weave that web and uh, and put it all together for the game you have that time. So how <clears throat> big is it when you're doing your research, you know you've seen this team once, but you have to keep tweaking because you know there's more stat lines and more things and important to look at to make sure that you're getting what you need to get for if you're playing that team again. Like, say, for example – one kid shooting the first meeting, you know, he's shooting under 28%. And then when you look at it the second time after the first meeting in his last few games, he's shooting about 50%. And his overall is like in, you know, the mid thirties. How did he get it to the mid thirties? How, what has he, you know, done to get it from where he was when you saw him the first time? Yeah. I think that's all a power, a part of the preparation, right? It's all a power, part of the storytelling and, um, kind of goes into what we were talking about with, hey, things happen from from one game to the next. It's your job to continue to stay on, you know, the opponent, on the team, on the players, the coaches, uh, on and on. What happened in the game since you last saw that team? You know, what's the team's, you know, the last time we saw this team, they were six and one. Now they're six and five. What's gone wrong? What's happened? You know, what, what's got them on this four game slide? How do how do they you know, what are they what were, what were they what are they not doing? What with the last time we saw them compared to what they were compared to what they're doing wrong now? Yeah, absolutely. No, you're 100 percent right. And and again, I think it goes into the 
the continuous job during a season of telling the story of a season, you know, and, and, and getting that all wrapped into uh, a game broadcast that particular night. When you first got to North Dakota State, <clears throat> what were the toughest adjustments you had to make, even though the cold probably wasn't one of them, since you've basically been in that climate before? Correct, yeah. But as a broadcaster going from the Big 12 to, you know, staying in the Big 12 with West Virginia, in the Big East at, at one point in time, moving to the Big 12, now you're now you drop down to the FBS level, basically back home. What was the biggest adjustment you had to make broadcast wise to make sure that it was going to be, I wouldn't say an easy transition, but enough of an easy transition that you weren't going to stretch yourself out over it, even though you're like dealing with a new fan base new people, everything. Yeah, I think Luther, for me, it was just learning North Dakota State, right? Learning mm -hmm. the culture, learning the fan base, <clears throat> learning everything. I mean, you got to, you got to, you know, you have to learn the new, the teams and the players and, and the coaches and the history and the tradition and mm -hmm. um, the conferences and the division in the FCS. And so, Everything, you know, wasn't brand new, but pretty close for me. And so there was a lot of work going on behind the scenes, a lot of prep work leading up to that first season. And, and the other part, along with just doing the games, we started a brand new radio station that summer as well. A new was, that, was that that was that that Bison 1660 and 1027? Yep. Yeah. Bison 1660, the flagship of NDSU Athletics. So, so it was, it was a busy time. That's for sure. How did that process go about? Because you basically, what, had to buy the station from somebody else or basically you had to find frequencies and basically get the stuff and start from scratch? Or what all did you feel like you had to do in order to get Bison 1660 to be established enough so they had their own flagship station while keeping their network intact? Well, the, the, the radio station was separate with from North Dakota State as far as an ownership piece. So we're a part of a great radio cluster here in Fargo called Radio FM Media, owned by Jim Ingstad, who is a friend. Ah, and okay. He knows the, the business inside and out and is, is somebody in the upper Midwest that is known very well amongst the radio station uh, world. So, um, you know, he had a station here that was – it had been a couple of different formats and um, with, with this station and also with 107.9, the Fox, uh, our other flagship of NDSU athletics, you know, oh, we so you were, have, you, you got two AM and FM. We, we do. Yes. Wow. Okay. I didn't know. So we've got that. And along with the radio network that NDSU had already set up um, a guy by the name of Jeremy Jorgensen, had put that together and did a, done an amazing job. It was more of a power five radio network than an FCS. Right. For sure. And that was another item that was so enticing about the job and the football program spoke for itself, obviously. And the mm -hmm. basketball program is phenomenal as well. You, you really have a great home for success stories and, and stories to tell and big games to be a part of. And so 
um, yeah, we just, we, we turn into a sports talk format. We're a Fox sports radio affiliate, you know, working with Fox and, and, and getting everything lined up with our daily schedule was fun. And then, you know, developing the sound of the station, the imaging, um, the daily shows that we do was challenging, but also very rewarding and continues to be Luther here, even as we talk today. Like, what did you feel like the pros were when it was like, okay, we're going to create this station. We're going to figure out what we're going to do with it, how it's going to sound. So it represents what we're striving for with this to at some point become the outright AM slash FM flagship station for the bison that it still is now. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the, the pros of it is the the relationship building that we've done with the great people at NDSU, getting to know Matt Larson, the AD, Todd Phelps, uh, Deputy Director of Athletics, and and all the coaches from Chris Kleiman to David Richmond to Todd Brown to, you know, now Matt Entz, the head coach here, and all the assistants and, and being around them and, and earning their trust as well, Luther, to you know, they're, they're a big part of our station. You know, we do a lot of ancillary programming where they come in and Matt Entz was just in studio last week. And we had a program this fall with no games where we look back at all of the 2019 season game by game and had a coach and a, or a p- former player in here recapping their memories of the game. And then, and then incorporating that with the play by play and producing that together. So they're, they're a, a big part of our station's success and, uh, we have a great relationship, and that's been one of the big pros for me is being able to continue to develop those relationships with great people. So how did Learfield IMG come into the fold and say, hey, we want you guys to keep doing what you're doing. We just want to buy the rights to be your you know, company that we carry your games on, and you guys have more than enough stations or we can carry it from Jefferson City, or is it one of those where it's just they let you keep doing what you're doing from where you guys are? Yeah, currently we're we're in-house. I believe that is going to change starting next fall where they'll produce everything at the, the big studios in Jeff City. And, um, you know, I, I can't really speak to how that whole process went. That'd be a good question for Matt Larson, uh, the, D, the director of athletics. But, I, you know, I, knowing – Knowing how the process works, you know, NDSU had been a target of Learfield IMG College for a number of years. Oh, uh, and, wow. I think they, and I think they came, you know, most recently with um, a, a great uh, opportunity uh, from a financial perspective. And it also was very beneficial for Learfield and bringing in the elite brand of FCS college football. And as we mentioned, a great college basketball program. And and a power five type fan following uh, as well. So now you know, how will it change? Like, will you guys be able to add more baseball games to the network or. Yeah. We're going to try and keep doing as much as we can. And, and um, we've been, you know, one of the points of pride that I have is we have put baseball and softball on the air here, two fantastic programs over the last nice. four plus seasons. And uh, you bet we're going to try and continue to keep on, uh, promoting those programs and and uh, trying to bring those to the fans as much as possible. So when you're working on putting 
you know, with football being the cash go, what has made North Dakota State, like a James Madison and other schools that have these long dynasties of winning FBS football championships, kind of like a power five, like with Alabama and Ohio State, Alabama going for a god-awful number of championships, like 20, 28, if they win tonight. I think Ohio State's going to be like, what, seven or eight, if they somehow win tonight. And you've got two legendary broadcasters, Eli Golden, his ninth championship broadcast, and Paul Kills, I have no idea what the number is for him, championship-wise on the radio. Mm-hmm. But what is it about the James Madisons and North Dakota States that they can say, hey, we can stand up with the big boys and say, hey, we have success too. You're not the only ones carrying the mantle for college football. Yeah, I think it starts with leadership, uh, Luther. I, I think it starts with uh, the culture that has been instilled at, at each of those respective programs. And speaking from NDSU side, you know, it's, this has been a football program that has been doing it for a long, long time, mm-hmm. since the mid-1960s. And you look at their runs in Division Two in the 1980s as well. I mean, the, the dynasties began there with the success they had uh, in the, at the Division II level. And then the, the, the challenges of the transition um, were certainly prevalent for everyone. Um, but you get a coach like a Craig Bowl, who was at Nebraska for a long, long time, that understands what it takes to succeed at the Division I level. Mm-hmm. And I think it starts there. And then you, you surround yourself with great coaches who – recruit the types of players you want in your, in your systems and in your programs and your culture grows from there. And then your players are almost coaches in the locker room and on the football field. And I think that's what it gets, it boils down to is, I've, you know, I've been able to be lucky to be at those other places we talked about and mm-hmm. you learn about culture and you learn about what it takes and um, the, the identity of figuring out how to win and what it takes to win has been the the questions answered here at NDSU for a long, long time. And no matter who the head coaches are, they have continued to keep it looking like bison football. And that's the standard is that. the standard is still there, no matter who's yeah. there. Yep, no doubt about it. So uh, I think the 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 whole setup from from the leadership up top all the way to the to the freshman player coming into the program. Um, there, there is an ideology of what it takes and how we're going to do it, and they stick to it and do not, uh, do not uh, divert from it at all. Sure. And that's why they've been so successful. For you, I remember hearing your catchphrase like "what claws up whoever whoever down" and so on and so forth when you guys pick up a win against like a major school or horns up, horns horn, up, yeah. Yeah, horns up. Because I'm like, okay, that was interesting. How often is that used when you're using your broadcast? Is that one of those like, and and like uh, the and this one belongs to the Reds or like for the Cardinals who I follow in baseball? That's a Red Road winner or vice versa. Is that like? end of game every time, no matter what sport it is, or do you have to change it up a bit so it doesn't get boring and become a cliche instead of like a catchphrase? 
that yeah, gets no, overstays its welcome. No, I do. I use it for every win. You know, I, I, I bust it out regardless of what sport or who the opponent is or what game, you know, I, I, I just, I make it part of, of, uh, of what I do in the, in the post game and the end of game call. And, and so certainly some have more excitement than others. Right. But sure. uh, give a shout out to my buddy, Brian Haney, who's now at Kansas. Um, Rock it up. He, uh, he used uh, when he was at Texas tech doing hoops and guns up. Uh, baseball, his was guns up and the opponent down. And I thought, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to borrow it. I asked him if he was cool with it. He said, sure, absolutely. Go for it. And so I did. And so, uh, again, it's a part of broadcasting. It's, it's, you, you take pieces, little items of, you know, of, of others and bring them with you. And Brian's a friend and he's, uh, he's in his dream job right now as the voice of the Jayhawks. Well, yeah. When you're, when you're living the life, filling in for the legendary, taking over for the legendary Bob Davis, who he worked with on the sidelines and knowing KU women's basketball. Yeah, you're living a pretty good life. No doubt. No doubt. So we've gone all over the map in about 45 minutes. So I appreciate more than enough time than you've given me because we always say 15, 20 minutes. And yet with all these conversations, we go beyond that. So answer me this as we close this thing out. When... You develop and build trust with coaches, with players, trying to get to understand what the fans are wanting and vice versa. How long does it take you to feel like you've earned trust from a coaching staff, from a player? Because a lot of coaches and a lot of players are like, Oh, it's the, it's the media again. Oh, it's you know that broadcaster again that keeps pestering for you know a five minute interview or so on and so forth. Because it seems like a lot of guys nowadays, when it comes to the media, it's almost paranoia. Now, I, if I'm off base on that, I mean, please let me know because I'm like we as broadcasters, men and women. All we're trying to do is do our job the best way we know how. So how do you deal with building trust, building friendships at a business level and maybe off the mic, off air as just a normal, ordinary human being? Yeah, that's a good question. And uh, to to answer the the first part, you know, years is the answer. I mean, it's not Mm -hmm. going to happen overnight. You, you know, just like with any relationship, um, you you just, it takes time and, and you get to know those people and they get to know you and, and there's certainly a give and take there, obviously. And, um, you know, I think one of my big things, Luther is, is that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, my deal is I'm not a news breaker. Uh, Right. I don't survive by breaking news. Oh, this just did such and such, such and such did this. Correct. No, I'm not either. Don't feel bad. And so there's, (laughs) you know, there's a, there's a a way you do it. I think when you're, when you've got a business relationship, as far as the, you know, the stations you work for being the flagship and, um, but yeah, it takes time. It takes years. And, and I, I'm happy to say that, you know, 
uh, I've become really good friends with the coaches and administrators I work with and the people I work with here. And, um, you know, you, you get to, I think you get to know how you can help people out and, and help promote their programs the right way at the right time. And so um, I think that as, as time goes on and the respect you, you earn from, from people you work with, there's an understanding of, of how your, you know, your business works uh, as well as a broadcaster and a program director and a sports talk host. And, you know, it's, you, you got to walk that fine line, obviously, but I can tell you it's, you know, I've, it's, it's a pretty fulfilling thing to be able to uh, develop those relationships and, and be a part of those programs because for those coaches, that's their livelihood. And if can you, you get a small part of that success, uh, you feel like you're a part of a team. Can you overstep a little bit? And how do you, you know, since you were talking about like there's a fine line, say you overstep, how do you get back the credibility? Say you may not have made a mistake, but maybe in a coach or a player's mind you did. How do you figure out how to repair that so it's not going to stay as a lingering issue as the lead broadcaster because you know you're going to need something from them interview wise again yeah i guess just communication um you, you get all you get it all on the, out on the table you know what did, what happened what did i do wrong um what's bugging you you know what do you need from me um and and hear what they have to say and and understand what they're thinking and then if you if you did something that they didn't like you, you know that you felt like you didn't you know you you just gotta you gotta talk it out you know you gotta have a, a conversation about it and um, I think find the understanding on both sides. Hey, here's you know I, I I didn't feel like I overstepped. Let me know why I did. Okay, I'll do it differently next time so it works better for both of us. But here's why I did what I did from my perspective and. Um, I think there's just a, like we talked about, there's just that fine line of, mm -hmm. you know, you got to develop the relationships and the trust. And if there's ever a moment where something was said or, or maybe something was confused or taken out of context, you just, you got to be able to, to have discussions that, that brings the, the why and how we move forward to the table in a positive manner. Thank you for giving me almost a full hour. My pleasure. I'm glad. I'm it's glad to talk to you finally after a lot of conversation via Facebook Messenger. I appreciate and e it. and email. <laughs> right, that's right. Let's hope we at some point. Hopefully, when you swinging through here, or you and I might run into each other with me doing play by play somewhere, and and I'll, hopefully, when I are in the same neck of the woods, we can finally actually meet in person. So I can actually, besides have a voice, I can actually say hello. Amen. Amen to that, Luther. I would really appreciate that. You better believe it. And do you think you can send me some stuff if possible so I can, well, this is going to be off thing, but, you know, yeah. so I can get an idea of how your sound is because I'm trying to figure out how I can get that sound quality where it doesn't, sure. like, over-modulate. Sure. And yeah. how do you, speaking of that, I don't mean to, like, add one more before we close this thing down, but when you're doing and dealing with a football broadcast, like, well, I don't know, regular season compared to tournament where you get more 
effects and so on and so forth, especially if you make the championship game, how do you make sure that the fans are hearing the quarterback's cadence, the ball bouncing on the floor, the pitches on the diamond or, or from the circle with softball and just all the sports you guys cover on Bison 1660, how is it that you keep the sound quality without, you know, it overmodulating and you don't get to the point of where the no. sound sucks, where it doesn't like over yeah, take I mean, you and drown you out. We've got some well, pretty good equipment. I've, I've uh, there's a sound board that I've used in the past that, um, um, that I really like. And we use for our football for all of our broadcasts. And, um, I'm a big fan of crowd, you know, the, the, the Nat sound, crowd noise, rim mics. Uh, we have a parabolic mic that we use on. I Sunday love those. Football and um, love them. So I'm, I'm all about trying to bring as much of the, the natural sound into the broadcast as possible. There's nothing worse for me that when I'm hearing a broadcast and I don't hear the sound. Agreed. I, yeah. I, for, I don't know what it is. But with me as a blind as a blind person, and hopefully to be the first blind PXP voice, if I can't hear the sound of the actual field or what's going on on the floor, I'm thinking to myself, this broadcast is going to totally suck because the sound ain't right. And for me, there's nothing worse than hearing sound quality that isn't even close. I agree. I, I, I think that I like listening to Westwood one when they have a playoff game on or whenever, you know, they do a great job of getting the, you know, the cadence from the quarterback and the crowd. They committee. do it all season long. I mean, I, I listen to league pass and there are a few broadcasts where it's like, they don't pay attention to the actual in-game sound. You hear the crowd but it's like you don't hear the quarterback. You don't hear – the only time that you hear the sound is when they, like, at the hut, 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 you actually hear the sound of the actual snap and the throw and the runs and so on and so forth. But you don't – for a lot of broadcasts, you don't hear what the quarterback's calling. And it drives me nuts. I don't, I don't, I don't mean to sound radio snobbish as we close this thing out, but – I, I agree with you. I, that's I, just me. The same page. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's just where I, that's just from where I sit and from what I'm listening to. Yeah, no, I, you're right. I, I totally, I, I want to have, um, I always just, in fact, this morning, I reached out to the TV group that's doing our games this weekend to get me an effects feed for, and I, I do that everywhere I go. So it's just, oh, wow. it's, it's just kind of part of my process of- getting ready for a game. Speaking of, with what we're dealing with with the virus and everything else, when the team is on the road and you're basically getting a video feed and hopefully you're going to get effects and it sounds exactly like it normally does, even though you're actually not there live on site, what are the challenges that you're dealing with trying to actually do a broadcast even though you're not actually on site at game and you still have to actually do the broadcast the best way you know how. Well, luckily enough for me, uh, Luther, I've been able to travel and go do the games on site. Oh, wow. Okay. You're one of the blessed ones. 
So I've been I've been doing the testing and uh, the team has made me a part of their tier one and very appreciative of that. And uh, oh wow, okay. So I've, I've been lucky enough to be able to do that with basketball. So oh far. wow. So whenever football starts back up again, what do you think the challenges are going to be there? Well, I think Every- it's pretty similar. You know, I um, we'll keep doing our testing, and I've just I've been very diligent about about um, this whole thing and. My wife and I have not gone out for dinner. We we order takeout if we do, and um, you know I I try and be as safe as possible and Same follow here. all the protocols. I wear my mask everywhere, and mm-hmm. we wear our masks in the building here at our our studios. So we're taking it very seriously. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Thanks again, Jeff. Appreciate it. Thank you, Luther. Have a great day. Now, thank you. And hopefully, you know, because do you, do you still tweet out your broadcast stuff or is it, you know, different since it's now through Learfield IMG College now? No, we tweet out uh, on it's on Facebook and social media uh, at Bison1660 on Twitter tweets out a SoundCloud link to all of our games. Do you think you can send me some stuff through email? Because I, I want to try to get that hear that sound with football and basketball because Right now, those are the two things that I'm working on, and I want to try to get baseball, but I don't know if I'm going to get that or not. But I just, I just want to figure out, like, because I'm trying to hear, like, from Clemson's point of view, Alabama's point of view, I'm never going to get because Alabama's got like the best. I mean, mm-hmm. you literally hear everything. Sure. I mean, because I, I've listened to pretty much almost every Alabama game that I can, and every week it's the same way with Tom Stipe and everybody on the crew with the effects mics and the effects feeds and everything else. And it's like, how do they do that? Oh, I know. And it's like every week. It's yeah. like they're one of the few SEC schools that I actually listen to, besides Vanderbilt, of course, and a really good friend of mine. I The broadcast doesn't sound the same anymore. I, I mean. I, I understand that. But it's just, I mean, it hurts. I mean, literally, it did. Yeah. And it still does. I mean, it seems like the broadcast doesn't sound the same anymore. And the biggest thing for me is I, li- I like consistency. I like consistency I we all with, do, the bro- yeah. with, with the broadcasts I listen to. And if I feel like I'm not getting consistency, I'm just not going to be – I'm not going to invest in it. I know how you feel. Yeah, I can send you a little uh, something from our basketball game from the other night. Sweet. Please do. I, I would appreciate it because I'm trying to see if I can get in touch with my uh, board guy to see if he can help me get my, get that mixing board and see how we can work on getting that sound and figure out how I can get my spotter so I can have, so I can only hear him and not everybody else while the broadcast is going on. Because you probably heard my spotter more than once in the I broadcast. Have, and I for have. me – I need to be the only one hearing him and not everybody else hearing him, him or her because they don't need to hear what my spotter and I are talking about. Yep. And I got to figure that out. Are there any tips you might suggest? Because I still have to hear him and keep everything centered so it doesn't overmodulate. Though. Yeah, I'd have to think about that a little bit, Luther. Um... I can send you the link to the board that I've got, but I don't know. It's from Sweetwater. Unless you have like a board that you're not going to use anymore, that is kind of similar but a little bit more. Plus, I because I want to try to get my interviews with my digital recorder 
because I'm still waiting on getting another cable. So when I do pregame interviews, I can get those. Sure. No, I hear what you're saying. But for me, those, those are like the biggest things because I want to get I want to get my audio to the point where I don't even have to deal with it, where it's like clockwork. No, I, I understand. Yeah. I mean, I think for, for you, it's almost worth, you know, if someone can help you out with your audio levels too, with everything you've got going on, I mean, you got a lot on your plate. You well, know. I'm, well, I'm a one man band besides a spotter. He, all they have to do is basically show up. Right. I have to do game prep. I have to basically make sure the equipment is set up solid and make sure it doesn't suck. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a one man band here. Because yep. right now I'm doing high school and pretty soon I'm going to be doing another, if I don't get a job beforehand, doing women's football in June. And I want to try to get it set up if, you know, if I can get it worked out that way where I can have it to where fans still hear the sound quality actually hear the game call without being drowned out without me not being drowned out and that's what i need to try to i want to try to figure out sure yeah i mean just shoot me uh shoot me you know what you're kind of hoping to do and how to do it and uh well, that, well i i just gave you what i'm trying to do but i can't i it's hard to explain it like in email form but basically balance everything out and also where I'm the only one hearing my spotter when I'm doing the actual call where they don't go out over the air. Like I, like I have to go out over the air. Yeah. I think that you're, you're talking about an IFB then is what you're talking about. Luther. Or, or, or something where I can still hear them in my headset without it somehow bleeding through. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. I, then that's what you're that's what you're kind of looking at. You're looking at finding, you know, some form IFB where um, a talk back. I, I would look up talk back. Um, Hold on, I think somebody's outside. Let me go ahead and close this meeting out. Let me go ahead and.